Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to Conversations with Creative Vagabonds, Thinkers, and Innovators. This is the place where great minds come to chat, and I am your host, Sandra Lee Schubert, and welcome to the show. Well, welcome to the show. Today, our guest, my guest is Jid Luckless, and he joins us once again with the release of his new music, Rollover. This is Jed's latest album of original songs featuring nearly a dozen new tracks and 34 minutes of music. The album showcases his eclectic mix of songwriting styles with genres ranging from rock to blues and influences from bluegrass to jazz. Today we're going to discuss how Jed takes a song from inspiration into reality, and you can find out more about him at jedluckless.com. Jed, welcome to the show. Hey, hi, Sandra. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. You're welcome. You're welcome. So we're going to talk, we're going to give our listeners an opportunity to get into, hopefully, your head as a musician, which may be a dark and dangerous place, I don't know, but scary, it could be a great scary place. Thought. It's a scary thing. It could be, as, as all our, inside all of our heads, could be a dark and dangerous place. And sort of talk about how you get music into music, how it becomes a live living, breathing kind of thing, and I think it's a wonderful opportunity to sort of have that conversation with you and just sort of really look at these opportunities to, you know, just see how that process happens. Now, we have some cuts from your new CD. We have four cuts, hopefully, that we'll get to today, and hopefully Blog Talk Radio will behave and we'll get to actually hear them, and we'll talk a little bit about them, but... Why don't we start? So, okay, you how do you what how do you make a uh, a song become live? Let's just let's where does dive it start? Where, where does, does it all start? begin? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough question. I mean, you know, um, there's there's really the kind of the art and inspiration aspect of it, and then there's the mechanical side of it, right? So, two separate kind of parts of the process. As far as the artistic side. The you know the 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 best times that I'm creating music or or writing or originating um, music is 
there's no explanation for it. You know, it's really magical. And those are often my favorite songs and the best songs, in my opinion, that I, that I produce. I really can't explain where they came from. You know, they literally come from outside of myself in a way that I look back on it and go, wow, I really don't know where that came from. You know, it was either channeled through something else or, or some energy that came to me that just, that I was able to, you know, channel is a good word. I like that, that I'm, you know, it's about kind of channeling the energies around you. And sometimes they, they come out in ways that you really can't explain. Um, you know, so that's really like as an artist, that's, those are the funnest moments, but, but obviously that doesn't happen all the time. Um, so a lot, a lot of times there is more intent behind it, um, and the creative process. And maybe I'll start with an, with an idea, um, you know, or, or a certain, um, lyrical concept, um, or a certain musical concept and, and start there. So, you know, there's the artistic side and then there's the mechanical side, which, which we can get into certainly too, if, if, if you think your listeners are interested about how I actually record the CD and produce it and put it all together, which is, you know, a, a whole different um, process and often um, very laborious one, um, you know. So, so there's kind of those two sides to it, you know. Okay, so you you... Let's talk about the sort of the inspiration art side. I know for me as a writer, there are always those moments where maybe I hear a phrase or a word or I see something and that, that kind of triggers a piece of poetry or a piece of writing or it starts me on some, some role that I, I may not have anticipated up until that moment. So, so I'll, I'll relate a conversation you and I had where you were, you were, telling me about the Grateful Dead drum space kind of thing and, and how that all works. And out of, right. and out of that, I, I created a, piece of, a couple of pieces of poetry. You know, so that seems kind of mundane in a, in a general way. It's like, why would that conversation create a piece of poetry? But it, it's, it sort of does trigger something. So is that kind of what you're saying when you have those kind of flashes where things kind of roll and they're easy? Yeah, I mean, that's a good example of something in the universe, you know, um, kind of channeling through you into a piece of art, right? Um, and there were multiple multiple stops on that journey along the way, um, you know, from the from the Grateful Dead. And, and I'd like to think I was, I was dedicating you um, on drums in space, you know. <laughs> Um, but, uh, uh, you know, it started with the Grateful Dead in that case, right, and Drums in Space itself and this kind of very, you know, creative uh, rhythm and um, ambient part of their show that, that, that the two drummers typically would do during their show, and they're very passionate about it. There's a lot of passion to it, right? And so I felt that passion, and it inspired me to incorporate that into my Grateful Dead shows when I'm doing Grateful Dead acts. I uh, like to do my own version of Drums in Space. So, you know, I brought that passion over to that, and in explaining it to you, you know, I was spilling that passion over to you and you were probably sensing my, you know, interest in it and love of it back to the deads and that flowed through to you and somehow sparked that chord where you, you know, you saw that artistic passion. And to me that it all kind of usually starts with that kind of spark, you know, of an, like you said, an idea could be an idea, an image, a word, a person, a place, you know, anything like that. Anything like that. So, now, uh, music is a little different than writing poetry, though poetry has a sort of musical, lyrical quality, obviously. But there, in terms of write, taking a, a word or an inspiration and, and building it into a song that becomes a finished piece with music and 
I mean, there are many, many more pieces to it than just the lyrics themselves or just the melody, maybe. Uh, I mean, what what might start for you? Does it matter if it's a, do you hear the music first or words first, or, or does it, is that sort of arbitrary based on the inspiration? Yeah, great, great question. You know, it, it, it's either, you know, or both. Um, so it, it's, sometimes it's just the, um, the, the music coming first, you know, and that's, that's a very, feels very different um, as an artist when I sit down with the guitar and create stuff musically without any lyrics. It's very free, right? You know, I can just, wherever my fingers are going, wherever my ears are hearing, I can follow it until it locks into something that I go, oh, that's pleasing. You know, and I don't have to worry kind of about thematics or symbolism or, you know, rhyming or any of that kind of construction that goes with writing lyrics or poems. Um, uh, so, uh, but other times it does start with that, right? Like I might have, um, a, a turn of a phrase or a word or, or, an, or a story. I'm, I, I'm big on storytelling. So a lot of times it'll start with kind of a story I want to tell. Um, and I, I actually really do love writing that way as well. And, and, you know, I love the challenge of those constructs of rhyming and things like that. I was always very into um, Shakespeare's sonnets and things like that, you know, that have um, very specific rhyming patterns to them and rules to the way they work. So I'm very, if you look at a lot of my lyrics, they are very structured and they have, you know, very logically thought out patterns and rhymes to them in most cases. Uh, that's just the way I, what I'm drawn to. So, so I enjoy that process too. But for example, the first song um, that that I had given you off off the new CD um, is called Water Glass, and it it that purely started um, with the music. So um, I just was kind of messing around with kind of a, a prog rock kind of progression um, for for musically, and I and I kind of built out the whole musical idea of that song, complete in its completeness, pretty much musically first. Um, no idea what the lyrics were going to be, but now the funny thing about that song is that. Uh, literally like moments after I had finished composing the music, um, a friend of mine posted a poem that he had written. And when I read it, I like immediately, I knew it was going to fit perfectly with the new music I had just finished. Um, so I, I took his poem and I, uh, I borrowed it as they say, um, in the trade and, uh, it just locked in so absolutely perfectly with not just the way the song was constructed, but actually the the feeling and the and the kind of theme of the song as well. So, um, uh, you know, and that that came from um, uh, you know a dear dear friend of mine who um, in himself is a big inspiration to me. So, so uh, I don't know if you want to roll the tune maybe now or whatever, but that that song is water glass. Okay, why why don't we do that? We can start that and and let's just keep our fingers crossed that. Blog talk will yeah. cooperate with us, <laughs> and this uh, this is a uh, three minutes and fifty four seconds of great music. Hold on.
Very good. Okay, right, so yeah, let's shout talk out to, uh, Shout out, sorry, to my uh, friend Fraser Sinclair on that one who wrote the lyrics for that. I, you know, inspiration really does a lot of times come from the people in your life. And uh, he's somebody who's been a, a serious supporter of my art for years. He actually helped finance uh, my first acoustic electric guitar many, many years ago. So uh, he's been a believer in, in me ever since. So it's, it's great to actually collaborate with him on this CD for that tune. So. For that tune. Well, it would... It, so let's talk a little bit about that piece. So you've got you've got the lyrics, and you sort of do the whole lyrical part of it, and then it kind of goes into the sort of rocking end to it, where you just focus on the instrumentals, and it's and 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 you go off on that. So what made you decide to take those lyrics and then did and you had said the music was kind of first. Was that whole piece there first or did you add to the end or how does that happen yeah yeah cool um you know it um it was more probably the earlier sections with the end piece kind of being open-ended for a jam what i like to do is um you know sometimes when i'm writing music i'm thinking about how that music's going to translate at some point to the stage with a full band um, so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of thinking that in the back of my head, okay, this is going to be kind of the jam section, you know, where we can jam it out on stage. So when I get into the studio to record that, um, you know, I like to do a little bit of that and kind of indicate where those tunes on the CD are jam tunes, but I just can't jam them out the way we would if as a full band playing that song on stage live, you know, so... Um, so I try to, you know, put a little flavor of those types of jams in there because that's the part of the kind of style and tone of the live show once I take these tunes and, and play them with a band live. So so I like to include those jam pieces, you know, and the lyrics, um, it was a short poem, so it, it fit very well in the in the front part of the song and then um, kind of lended itself to, um, you know, having a jam end portion, as you put it. That's <laughs> Well, it sort of did that. <laughs> so... All right, so you, you, let's talk a little bit about the process of 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 music making, the physical process, and we can talk more about this. I mean, you, because I know from having conversations with you that there were a couple of pieces that we talked about that went back and forth from different concepts and added and subtracted and and things shifted and those like layers happen that aren't obvious. Um, so if you go hear a concert and there's music in the background and, you know, there's a drummer and there's a bass player and there's a, a vocalist and, and you've got those elements. But when you're putting music onto a CD format where it's going to be played, those elements are different, I guess. I, I'm, and I'm, I'm sort of doing this. I mean, clearly I don't make music, so I don't have the right language for it. I apologize. But how how do you decide how to layer a piece of music i guess so that it becomes what it is yeah well it's a long process i'll tell you that and as you know because uh what and what you you have an interesting kind of um 
you know, backstage perspective, because I hear you referring to all those times when I would ping you and go, Sandra, help, I don't know what to do about this particular thing on the CD, what should I do? So, and there were, there were many of those moments throughout the process um, where, as you said, I had to change things or remove some songs or change some of the artwork or the naming of the album. Um, you know, so it's been a long time coming, this CD, actually. Um, I feel a bit bad, actually, that it's taken so long. We had a few people who participated in a very early pre-order that we did earlier this year, and they've been waiting patiently half the year now for the CD. So um, as I've said before to those folks specifically, um, you know, I apologize for the delay, and, and we're going to make it up to you with some special stuff when we finally do ship you a CD. So. So, um, but in any case, it's taken a long time to, to pull it all together. Um, and um, we ended up with the name Rollover for, this, for the CD um, after, you know, multiple name changes and artwork changes, um, which is all really a whole other side of it, not even the recording side, but the packaging and marketing side of the CD, which we could, you know, I'm sure spend a whole hour talking about that process. But, uh, right. but as far, yeah, as far as the recording of it, you know, um, that took even longer. I mean, that's been ongoing for a long time. I'm trying to think of when I laid down the very first cut for the album. I'm not sure when that was, but it was, you know, probably over two years ago easily um, uh, as far as the recordings that began that, that, um, that, that evolved onto the album. So something like Waterglass, most tunes, the way I would start recording it, you know, first would be to decide what tunes I'm going to record. So usually when I'm sitting down with a project like an album, um, I've got a bunch of tunes that I know um, I want to record. I've got a pretty wide um, catalog of original material that has never been recorded. So, you know, I have good stuff to choose from as well as new stuff I'm generating all the time. So I have a batch of tunes that I think makes sense kind of as a unit, and then I'll start working my way through recording them and, and adjust as needed. Um, as far as the tunes themselves, typically it starts with the rhythm guitar, which is usually the way I write the songs. So, you know, it's usually me and my acoustic guitar, and that's how I, I'm initially writing most of the music. So that's typically the starting point for the entire recording is some sort of rhythm track on the on the guitar, and you typically the acoustic guitar. There's a, an acoustic uh, rhythm track on, you know, most of the tunes. Uh, very few are fully electric, um, although there might be one or two that are like that. But uh, so that's where it starts with a, you know, basically with a metronome at that point. And then... Um, Typically, I'll add a couple more rhythm tracks to flesh out the rhythm, um, and then I'll um, I'll actually lay down bass tracks um, for the bass, and um, and then lead guitar. Typically, I'll go through that process um, and vocals as well, um, each in its own step, um, you know, one by one until I've layered the entire song. Typically, in something like that order. So, rhythm tracks, bass, um, lead guitars, vocals, and um, those may switch in order depending upon what my mood is at the time and then the last thing I did was really lay in the drums because I can't do that at, in my studio I have to go to another studio where there are drums to do that so a lot of the drums I had to um, you know bring the recordings to another place and lay in the drum tracks uh, kind of at right. the end as the last process right so this this so you know whenever you hear people say oh I can create that I can make that kind of art or I can I could write a song like that um, they they maybe just have no real understanding of what that really is when they sit down and actually do it. The process well, is really very complicated, and in in, in the end, run I complicate you, it though. You know, 
I complicate it myself because I enjoy complicating it, I think, you know, but, but you, yeah, I mean, you can sit down with just your guitar and a microphone and make a very beautiful song, you know, without doing any track work whatsoever. And plenty of people make music like that and put out CDs, you know, in a, in a simpler mode like that. Um, but I enjoy the track work. I enjoy the recording and the engineering aspect of it. I've always been, you know, fascinated with, um, like engineering, like engineers like Jimmy Page, from Led Zeppelin and the way he layered the different guitars and the subtleties. And you really, you know, you have to listen to hear some of that stuff. And I'm sure, you know, uh, at least 15 to 20% of the work I did on the, on the tracks is probably lost by the time you get to the end user and listener, but, but I know it's there, you know, and I had fun doing it. So, um, so I'm sure I overcomplicate it. Um, but, but yeah, at, you know, at that level, it's, I'm trying to simulate really, a um, you know, a very professional methodology in a semi-professional studio and way, you know. Right. Well, as as many artists have to have to do, <laughs> you, you work with yeah. the tools you you have on hand and, and and hope for the best at the end of the day, I guess. Um, yeah. All right. And so, on that note, the you know mm-hmm. the the equipment I have this go round on this CD is way better than the last CD. So. Um, you know, I, a lot of the gear has improved, and it's been really fun to work with the stuff I have, and, and it made the process actually a lot easier. Um, right. It didn't take me any quicker, but it made it easier along the way. Right. Well, I mean, we, we part of this, I had, I on Facebook, we I sent you a uh, post from another musician friend of mine who was talking about the challenge of getting the sound right, that he had to go out into his car and listen through different speakers and listen through his eye just to sort of get an idea of what the sound sound is like on, you know, different venues and wished, I, I can't remember the speakers. He said that he wished everybody listened through a type of speaker and the world would be fine. Yeah. But um, that process is complicated when you have something in your head in, in the sound in your head, but it may not maybe necessarily sound the same in different venues or technologies or, or whatnot. It, yeah. you know, I know. I, you know, I, I could totally relate to that. It was so funny that post and I, I, it made me laugh because I've been, I've done that, you know, exact process exactly down to the same exact thing he was saying, like listening to it in your car, sitting in your garage, in your car, listening to it on there, listening to it on your iPod headphones, you know, any source you have to see the differences. And in a way, it kind of drives you mad because, you know, none of them are perfect, you know, so you, you can always find a flaw in one of the ways you're listening to it. And as the artist, you can always find a flaw in it anyway, no matter what you're doing with it. So that makes it hard, too, to be objective. You know, uh, after a while, um, it's, it, you start, it's very hard to either hear the flaws at all or you hear everything as a flaw, you know, because you just, you've lost all point of reference by the time you've listened to it a hundred times in a hundred ways. Sort of he was talking about the, yeah, the mastering process too, which is which is a whole other part of the process. You know, where where you take that track, those tracks, and then you're mixing them down and mastering them, and just you know, so there's there's so many elements to it. The recording takes a ton of energy and time to lay down those actual tracks, play the instruments, you know, do do guitar solos over and over and over 20, 30 times until you get one that works that you like, you know, uh, at three in the morning in the studio. Um, but then once that's done, you know, if you're doing everything yourself, then you still have to sit down and mix all that and get the right levels between all those tracks and then master it through things like equalization or normalization to get the best possible recording that you can, you know. And so 
so typically on some songs that that could be very hard and you go back and forth and remix and remaster and listen to it over and I, I went in several cycles um, on some of the tunes on the album where it was very difficult then on other tunes like the next tune I gave you um, which is called Brother Love is uh, you know one of, was one of the earlier tunes I recorded for the album I think it might have been the second tune I, I did track work on for this album which was a while back and um and, uh, you know, mixed it once and mastered it, and that was it. I never went back to it, actually, again, because um, I just thought it sounded so it sounded so good to me that I didn't want to mess with it at all. <laughs> <laughs> you want to leave it as, as is. But you, yeah. may, you may have had un- other inspiration while you were pr- recording this. I don't know. Um, why don't we uh, listen you, I, to I, that? Was yeah. that an allusion to the, uh, to the, to the theme of the song? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'll say something about that since we're talking about inspiration and where these songs come from. Because when you hear this song, it's called Brother Love. And when you hear this song, you know, you might think it's it's a a song inspired by weed, right? Marijuana smoking and and pot smoking, which I guess, you know, in part it kind of is. But it's really much deeper than that. It's actually based on on a guy called Brother Love. And he actually spelled it L-O-U-V, but I changed it because that, you know, nobody would kind of know what that meant. But it, Brother Love, who was the leader of the Ethiopian Zion Coptic Church in the 70s, and part of the religion he preached was their freedom to use marijuana as, as part of their sacrament. But at the same time, he was kind of using it as a front for, like, smuggling a ton of pot into Miami in the 70s. So, uh, and then, you know, he kind of scared the shit out of everybody in 1979 on 60 Minutes when he showed a bunch of kids smoking. Uh, and that was the end of Brother Love at that point when the, they saw that the kids were smoking. And um, so, I, you know, I saw all this from a documentary uh, on TV, and that's where the idea for the song really came from. Um, so it's a little bit different than what you might think. And I guess, you know, the, the, the moral of the story there, there is TV can be inspirational. See, it, it it can be. It really can be. Why don't it we once we I listen guess. to this? <laughs> okay, let's let's play it. Okay. Brother love, brother love, I keep on 
Very good. Well, I, I think, you know, based on the conversation we had just before we played that song, I think one of the, the the things that happens when we write anything as writers and musicians or whatever is that people will decide something about us based on the music we we produce. So people will have an interpretation based on listening to the song that may or may not be accurate to the person who wrote it. So what do you, how do you deal with, with that kind of thing? I mean, cause, cause you don't want to go around explaining the song all the time or any piece of music necessarily, but sometimes the music or, or words, you know, just are, don't necessarily represent the artist. And I think people really wow. attach that to the artist in some way. Like, like you said, it may or may not. <laughs> may or may not. <laughs> I, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. No. I. You know. Um, it's. Uh, I, again. You're right. Totally right. And that's an interesting part of music is that once you put it out there, people will. Uh, you know, kind of impart their own um, impression, uh, not only onto the song of themselves and kind of their own emotional attachment to a song and what it means to them, but also, like you said, the reflection on the artist. But. But again, it's. You right. know. It's a uh, it's a story that I'm telling, uh, like a lot of my songs. Um, but there's a reason I was drawn to that story as well, right? Is is I think mm-hmm. it's, it's an interesting topic. So, um, you know, I have no problem with people adopting that song as their weed anthem. So, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Have it be your weed an- anthem. Well, I I mean I I knew who Brother Love was, so I I that I had in my frame of reference al- already. But I I think it's you know, the opportunity for people to sort of learn something and explore it and just see how this, you know, how you took this inspiration and created something because it does still represent, I, I, when I, I look at it, a certain um, sense of freedom or style, lifestyle that people might have. And, and that maybe is not so bad to represent in words and music regardless of some of the other stuff that may have gone on with, with brother love at the end of the oh, day. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you're, you're obviously familiar with the story and it's a fascinating story, which is why it spoke to me and I wanted to capture it in music, like you said, but, but there's a definite message there and it's a message that resonates today, right? About freedom and freedom to live your life the way you want and, and to do the things you want to do if you're not really hurting anybody or doing anything, you know, 
that that's that terrible. And so there is a message at the heart of it that I liked as well, which I'm which obviously I'm trying to uh, to uh, put out there. Right, and in part, and, and then people can take from it what they will, and if they want to have it as their anthem, well, it's that's an excellent anthem, I I think. It does have, um, and you do keep with the, sort of the, the, the beat and the whatnot, keeps with the theme somewhat, so you've kind of covered all that. It's, it's catchy, Jed, as they say. Well, and the, um, you know, I changed the, I changed the name again because the way he really spelled it kind of didn't make sense, L-O-U-V, but when you do change it to L-O-V-E, it takes on kind of a whole other message, right, of brother love and, you know, kind of love love, love your brother and kind of, which, you know, people who know me know is, is, is also a message I'm, I'm, you know, embracing, right? So love, love everybody. Love your brother. Love everybody. Well, that's another song. <laughs> um, why don't we go to your your next song so that because I know we've got the other cut, which is the title cut to go over, and I know that's um, a longer longer piece. I think it's a longer piece. Uh, they're, uh, they're both kind uh, of no, short. No, it's not a longer piece. Yeah. They're they're both kind of short. Um, yeah, well, you know, one thing about other. recording the album is that the, you tend to keep the songs short, at least I do, because, again, it's it's a lot of work to get through one song or to be able to play some, you know, a track all the way through. So as much as mm-hmm. I'm a, a person that when I listen to music loves long tracks, you know, from from the kind of early prog rock bands that were doing long, long storytelling type tracks or albums, to uh, you know the jam bands uh, of today that to uh, uh, you know I shouldn't say of today because the the, the Grateful Dead as well but you know who do long jams uh, you know 20 minute jams uh, I love that kind of stuff but when you're when you're recording um, an album like this you know the songs tend to be shorter so even the jam quote unquote jam songs like Water Glass like we had up front that was like three minutes and 40 seconds or something so they're all pretty short um, but the next one coming up is um, you know is interesting and um, uh, you know, I thought it'd be interesting to bring on the show because it does relate back to uh, the theme song for your show, which is also on my new album. But I thought since you have it as your theme music, you know, it, w- it would be more interesting to bring some other cuts from the album. So that's why I didn't include Duarte, um, which is, uh, for those of you that don't know, uh, Sandra adopted it as the uh, introduction music to her show at that top of the show. So And, um, and the end. Yeah. And, the, and the closing. And the end as well. Yeah, and it's it's a live version of a live version of the song. It's not the uh, CD cut, I don't think. But uh, but anyway, it's on yeah. the CD. But the, the the thing I wanted to mention about it, and kind of to bring it back to our talk about inspiration, is is uh, that song Duarte, along with this song um, that we're going to play, which is called Barter Creek, uh, were both written um, in a place that's one of the most inspiring places in my life. And I think inspiration a lot of times does come from places from places we're at, you know, places we've been, places we're going, uh, geographic locations, places that are state of mind maybe, but really, you know, the places that we love to be in our lives. And for me, uh, there's a place like that in Maine that uh, you've heard me talk about it, you know, call it things like my fortress of solitude where I go and I hide from the world um, up on uh, up on an island in Maine. Um, and it's it's peaceful, it's quiet, it's full of inspiration. And, and I've written, uh, you know, a lot of music there, um, including Duarte um, and including Barter Creek, this next tune. Um, Barter Creek is the inlet across the channel from the island where I go. And um, as kids, my brother and I would take our kayak and we'd row over across the channel over to swim in the inlet over there at Barter Creek or just hang out with friends and family there. Um, so it's a really fond memory for me. 
and mm -hmm. uh, a really inspirational place, and that's where this tune comes from. All right, let's listen to it. I know it's it's funny that we have to come back back and forth on. Uh, I love I do like I like that song. It does have you know without even the backstory to that, it sort of really does tell you what it's about just by listening to it and listening to the lyrics, and you get a a particular feel for it right off the bat. Well, thank thank you for that. It's a compliment then. Uh... I was able to accomplish uh, what I what I wanted with it. Well, that's well, that's always a good a good a good thing. So, yeah. and that's an, uh, you know to go back to where we started the conversation. That's kind of um, one of those tunes that you know I kind of knew where it was going from the start, right? Lyrics and music together at the same time just kind of uh, give it that feeling. That's and that's probably why it's so kind of on the nose, if you will. Right. It's so you you you're you're taking from um, a past memory or a past experience 
and able to uh, craft that into something that then is relatable to other people in, in whatever ways, you know, whether it's, you know, they're thinking of their childhood or they're thinking of some of other experience. Everybody's kind of had sort of their summer experience in some way across the board, whether it's, you know, childhood or current or, you know, like, I, you know, I, I go down to the falls here and, you know, they're just down the block from me. And if, even though people do take kayaks down that river, I don't do it. That feel of that is is present for me and just listening to that and my experience of, of going down and being by the waterfall. It's that same sort of uh, experience of being taken somewhere or being or being or traveling through something that sort of comes through in in, in the well, piece. And that's really what you know, music and most art is about. I think is is that sharing of that universal human experience, right? So being able to sh- to share um, my experience with you um, in a way that touches you to your experience and then shares your experience back, you know, with, with others. So, um, I think that's a big part of it, whether you're talking about movies or music or painting or poetry. Um, it's about seeing yourself in the art, um, because that shows us who we are as human beings and it connects us to, to other human beings, you know, because ultimately it's a big, uh, crazy universe and, and, um, it's scary to think you're alone. So it's, 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 it feels very good to connect to other people through art um, by connecting those universal human experiences that make us all the same. Right. And, and I think, you know, going back to sort of the brother love piece, some elements don't have to be necessarily relatable as an action, but they can be relatable as an experience or an understanding or a community. And that's sort of that element of what, makes music and art so wonderful is that 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 happens that you can regardless of you you personally as the artist creating the piece of art may not have a direct knowledge of something you can still relate to that experience and translate it into another realm where somebody else can continue to have that experience and and it sort of moves on which i think is kind of an interesting process yeah Absolutely, yeah. and it, and that, it's a whole other offshoot of you know, as far as you know social commentary in songs, which is a different kind of thing. And I don't do I don't do a ton of it, but you know, brother love might be um, the closest I get as far as you know trying to make those kinds of statements about um, our, our you know our political world or, or the or the structures um, around us. You know, so I typically uh, I'm a little more introspective with with most of the stuff I do. But right, right, okay. Um, we have a, a final piece before the end of the show. We've got about 14 minutes to go. Uh, do, um, why don't we listen to the final piece and talk about that? And this is the title track. And then we can sort of finish up with, with just some more information about the recording process and, um, you know, tell, and let everybody know what you're up to in the world also, what else you're up Sounds to in great. the world. Sounds All great. Right. Sounds great. This too, sounds- yeah, I'll just cue it up. I'll just intro it. It's it's the title track. Yeah. It's called Rollover. Um, it's really a blues tune, uh, just a simple blues tune. And um, it's just kind of meant to be a fun ditty. Sometimes 
Um, you know, you've you've been to many of my shows, Sandra. Um, sometimes I just like to have fun and and um, you know not overthink songs a lot. Um, this one's pretty straightforward. Although you know the interesting thing about it is that it's it kind of started out being inspired about um, riding bicycles because I was renting a lot of bikes um, over the summer and riding. Um, so that concept of rollover and renting the bike and you only get the bike for an hour or for a day, you got to bring it back on time and things like that. But then somehow, I'm not sure how, it kind of took on this kind of double entendre and it became about a, something a little bit different as far as something you might rent for a certain period of time and, and why you might roll over in a different context. So it became this kind of just fun, <laughs> weird, bluesy song. So, um, And really, the, there's no significance to it being the title track other than the fact that, as I said, I went through a lot of different titles on the album. And, um, and finally, after all of them, this was the one that really stuck. Um, and the cover, incidentally, of the CD is is of a building that I would ride my bike by uh, every time I rode my bike. So I thought it, it, it made sense to, to go with that. So, yeah, let's okay. have a listen. Okay. Thanks.
I'm at a loss for words with that one. I just all right. Well, then let me jump in because I did want to give a shout out on that one. A little uh, special help from my friends. Shout out on this song to my buddy Norman Wilson, um, who I think you know through uh, you know social channels. Um, but uh, he uh, he drove like uh, actually he took a bus. He didn't even drive. He like took a bus practically overnight up from Virginia Beach to lay down the bass track on that song with me. So. Um, we had a good time doing it, and it was um, one of the one of the really special moments of making the album. Um, he's a longtime friend and uh, helps me. Uh, he's a producer for me and produces a lot of stuff with me, video and audio. And so it was great to have him come up and actually uh, play some music uh, on the album. And, and while I'm on the topic of help from my friends, I I wanted to thank you, Sandra, as well, because we've talked a lot about inspiration for this hour. But you know, you've been an inspiration to me as well. Um, so I wanted to thank you for that because, um, you know, having me back on the show, having me on the show the first time, um, you know, always, always interested in talking to me about um, creative process and art and um, just really helping to keep that, um, you know, uh, keep the muse entertained, if you will. Um, I, you know, I've really enjoyed having that capability with you as a friend. So, so thank you for that inspiration. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I think, you know, I know for me, it, it's there is a language that happens when you're an artist and writer that sometimes people who don't write uh, or create sometimes just don't understand, and it it really does. It's really helpful to have that community around you where where people sort of understand what you're talking about, especially when you're in the creative process and and stuck on. Uh, something or 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 can't get past something or you know it just it really does help and it's it's been yeah. I know for, for me just in terms of my creativity getting back into music which is something that I had let go of for whatever reason I I don't know has been really helpful in, in, in inspiring me to get back into writing and creating and, and playing around with music lyrics, which I've, you know, not done much with at all, but it's fun to be in it and try. And I think, you know, part of what I wanted and hoped for with and bringing you on is giving people an opportunity to sort of have an idea of that process. And that, you know, sometimes that process is painful. Sometimes it is, laborious and difficult and you have to lay down a million tracks and you have to write a song lyric a million times because it's not fitting but you know the end result is worth it it's like birth it is like birthing a baby in some ways i can't say i have had that experience but you you get to create something (laughs) you see there we're we're good we're good that way but it's helpful to be able to share that with people that people who are out there wanting to create and feel fear around it or feel fear, feel anxiety because they're not getting past something to know that, yeah, you can do it. It happens. And it may be a pain in the ass to do it, but there's yeah, a uh, result. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, um, it's great to have people to provide feedback, you know, is, is a huge benefit, as you said. So, cause as you go through that process, especially with recording music, um, or things that are intensive in that way, like video and things like that, um, you really lose objectivity after a while. So it's really helpful to have a community of, you know, friends and peers that you can, uh, show your work to and get feedback on before widening that, that, 
view of it to everybody. Um, and uh, so I, you know, I appreciate that having that uh, outlet um, with you and your show to get feedback and uh, and get that and uh, and everybody else who helped with the making of the CD. Like I said, it's, it took a long time. It's now all done. All the recording, mixing, and mastering is completely done. It's just, uh, as you've heard, four of the tracks, but they're all done. It's waiting to go into production at this point. The, um, we keep hitting a few delays. Um, part of that is, is uh, in part because of some good news, which is that um, we're going to be moving into a new studio soon. So um, as far as the online shows and the broadcasting of live shows online, um, we're going through a bit of a transition period into a new studio space, which will represent a, a whole new fun adventure and era uh, of, of the whole gang together uh, listening to live music online. So looking forward to that, but it has delayed the CD a little bit further. So I'm really hoping that sometime over the next month in August, it's, it's going to uh, be released and get a final release date and uh, get it out to everybody who ordered and, and um, get it um, online for everybody to listen to. For now, you can also still get, go and pre-order it on the site, on my website, jedluckless.com. There's a pre-order open, so if you want to pre-order it, um, we'll make sure you get some goodies if you do, some extra goodies with the CD when it's finally done. Very good. So we've got just about four minutes to finish up. So why don't you talk a little bit about your about doing your live shows, your Ustream shows, or all that kind of stuff, and some of the ways that you you take your music just from the CD but out into the world, and um, how that how that differs maybe just a little bit from just recording music. Sure, sure. I alluded to it early on with Waterglass that you know my intention is always to take the songs live. Um, and a lot of the songs, all the songs on the album, I played live many times during my last two tours I did online solo, which was my 300 tour and then uh, my rollover tour, which uh, featured really all music from the rollover album. So most of the fans have heard the tunes and heard them live, and I've played them a lot. It's also helpful to play them live before going in to record them because it, it helps you be ready for the recording rather than being cold on the song. So you give it some form before you go in and start laying it down. We did that with JLB also with the band, with Jed Luckless Band, which is the last CD I've worked on before this was the JLB CD, uh, Roll the Tape. And that, um, you know, we also had played a lot of the songs live before we recorded them, and that, that helped a lot. JLB, incidentally, is gone for now, but not forgotten, for those of you waiting for the return of uh, the Jed Luckless Band. Um, once we get settled in the new studio, we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. We're going to have the ability to do more of the online shows. Um, and then, you know, JLB or some form of it will probably be revived and we'll get back in action. I sure miss jamming with those guys and, and playing with the, with the live full band. Um, online and and you know around town here. <clears throat> and what is your what's the uh, uStream um, link? Is it Jed Luckless yeah. TV? Absolutely. So you can yeah you can get to it a couple ways. JedLuckless.tv. Yep, that'll take you right to the uStream link. It's also available through JedLuckless.com now under video. You can get the live video stream right through our website. So. Yeah, you know, either way, there's no chat over there though right now, so you're better off going where there's chat because we do. Sandra's always Sandra's usually there, so you can go chat with Sandra at, at my next show on UStream. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you know, I, the shows I do, solo shows, um, I I stream online typically from my studio and um, perform in Second Life, which is a virtual online uh, world. Uh, where I perform virtually, and at the same time, typically I stream the audio and the video uh, over Ustream uh, at jedluckless.tv. So uh, best way to keep in touch, really, is through Facebook. 
Um, if you want to Facebook me, Jed Luckless, um, on Facebook, you'll have my schedule, see when the next show is, and you can join us online at a show. We'd love to have you. And also, um, are you you're doing some uh, live performances upcoming? Uh, this weekend, actually, I'm glad you mentioned that. This weekend, um, for anybody in the Barryville, New York, Delaware Water Gap area, any of you listeners out there, um, we are doing the Rock and River Rock and River Festival, um, which is really a Jerry Garcia, in part a Jerry Garcia birthday celebration. It's down in Barryville, New York, at a place called the Carriage House. I'm playing with a band called Star 69 that I play with from time to time. It's it's a full Grateful Dead tribute act. We're doing two sets of Grateful Dead. There are lots of other bands. It's completely free. It's at the Carriage House in Barryville, New York. Look it up or come on down August 1st, Saturday. Excellent. Excellent. So I've been talking to Jed Luckless about taking his music from inspiration to reality, and we played cuts from his new CD called Rollover, and you can find out more about him at jedluckless.com. And Jed, thank you very much for being on the show with me again and and sharing your music and your um, creative process. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's been great to be on the show. Thanks. Thank you. there. I hope you enjoyed the show. It is really great fun to speak to people and find out what they're doing in the world. If you are interested in reaching out on air, online, or in person, let me show you how. I am partnered with some great people, some strategic thinkers and consultants to bring you the best services available. Call me at 347-560-1624 or email me at sandraleeshubert at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.